The Merry Beggars at Relevant Radio present Episode 4, The Portly Gentleman Scrooge's nephew left the room without an angry word, despite his Uncle Scrooge's reception. He stopped at the outer door to bestow the greetings of the season on the clerk, Bob Cratchit, who, cold as he was, was warmer than Scrooge, for he returned them cordially. Stay as warm as you can in here, Mr. Cratchit, for tomorrow is Christmas Day. We must make merry. That we must, sir. God bless you, sir. (laughs) There's another fellow with 15 shillings a week and a wife, and family, talking about a Merry Christmas. (laughs) I'll go mad and retire to Bedlam. As Bob Cratchit let Scrooge's nephew out, he let two other people in. They were portly gentlemen, pleasant to behold, and now stood with their hats off in Scrooge's office. They had books and papers in their hands, and bowed to him. Scrooge and Marley's, I believe? Have we the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley has been dead these seven years. He died seven years ago this very night. Oh. Well. We have no doubt his liberality is well represented by his surviving partner. Here is the organization we represent, Mr. Scrooge. Our credentials and a small brochure. Hmm. <laughs> Marley's liberality was certainly well represented by Scrooge, for they had been two kindred spirits. At the ominous word, liberality, Scrooge frowned and shook his head. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute who suffer greatly at the present time. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries, Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts, Quite, quite. Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons, sir. And the union workhouses, are they still in operation? They are. Still, we wish that we could say they were not. The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigor, then. Both very busy, sir. Oh, I was afraid, from what you said at first, that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course. I'm very glad to hear that is not the case. Under the impression that they scarcely furnish Christian cheer of mind or body to the multitude, a few of us are endeavouring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. We choose this time because it is a time of all others, when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. What shall we put you down for, sir? Hmm... Nothing. You you wish to remain anonymous? I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. I help to support the establishments I have mentioned, and they cost enough. And those who are badly off must go there. Many can't go there, sir. And many would rather die. If they would rather die, they had better do it. And decrease the surplus population. My word. Besides, excuse me, I don't know that they would rather die. But you might know it. It's not my business. 
It's enough for a man to understand his own business and not to interfere with other people's. <clears throat> Mine occupies me constantly. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Come, Thomas. There is no spirit here. One moment, James. Mr. Scrooge? Thomas, he's not listening. Mr. Scrooge, we hope with most earnest feelings that you and yours have a Merry Christmas. Abundant blessings on your Christmas, sir. Merry Christmas. Hmm. Seeing clearly that it would be useless to pursue their point, the gentleman withdrew. Scrooge resumed his labours with an improved opinion of himself and in a more facetious temper than was usual with him. Meanwhile, the fog and darkness thickened so the people ran about with flaring links, proffering their services to go before horses and carriages and conduct them on their way. The ancient tower of a church whose gruff old bell was always peeping slyly down at Scrooge out of a gothic window in the wall, became invisible and struck the hours and quarters in the clouds with tremulous vibrations afterwards as if its teeth were chattering in its frozen head up there. The cold became intense. In the main street, at the corner of the court, some labourers were repairing the gas pipes and had lighted a great fire in a brazier, round which a party of ragged men and boys were gathered warming their hands and winking their eyes before the blaze in rapture. The brightness of the shops, where holly sprigs and berries crackled in the lamp heat of the windows, made pale faces ruddy as they passed. Foggier yet, and colder. Piercing, searching, biting cold. If the good Saint Dunstan had but nipped the evil spirit's nose with a touch of such weather as that, instead of using his familiar weapons, then indeed he would have roared to lusty purpose. The owner of one scant young nose, gnawed and mumbled by the hungry cold as bones are gnawed by dogs, stooped down at Scrooge's keyhole to regale him with a Christmas carol. God bless <coughs> Bless you, merry gentlemen, may nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day. Not a moment of peace. Not a moment of rightful labor. Enough! Away! Be gone! The young singer fled in terror, leaving the keyhole to the fog and even more congenial frost. Subscribe at adventwithscrooge.com for the next episode of A Christmas Carol. And download a free companion guide with activities, questions, and coloring pages. Subscribe for free at adventwithscrooge.com. adventwithscrooge.com.